three weeks in a row now, Jesus ends our gospel being disappointed. Three weeks ago, it was the Pharisees who were coming to Jesus, asking him, trying to trick him by asking if it was lawful for a man to divorce his wife. Two weeks ago, it was the rich man who came to Jesus and said, good teacher, how do I inherit eternal life? And then he goes away grieving because he has many possessions when Jesus tells him he has to leave everything behind. And then last Sunday was the apostles, James and John, who come to Jesus and ask to sit one at his left hand and one at his right hand when he comes in glory. And then the rest of the apostles get resentful because they're even daring to ask this question. And again, Jesus disappointed that his disciples still don't get what he's trying to do. That all changes today with Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. Your first indicator that something significant is happening is we have a name, right? The rich man, we never got a name. When somebody gets a name in the scriptures, it's because they're significant, especially in the Gospels. If they tell us this, this is Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, then what should come to mind is, well, he was either known among the Christian community, or he should be known, because he's an example to be followed. That's why he's given a name in the scriptures, unlike the rich men. But then he does three things that basically go against everything that those three other groups did not do. So first, he's crying out, son of David, master. He turns to Jesus as one who has the answer, master, teacher. Son of David is the title given to the anointed one of God. Pharisees didn't do that. They were trying to trap Jesus, trying to get him to make a mistake with the law. Second, what does he do? He throws off his cloak. He's a blind beggar, so he's poor. His cloak is the only significant thing that he owns. It's what would have kept him warm at night when he had to try to find somewhere to sleep, and he throws it off to run after Jesus, unlike the rich man who couldn't sell his possessions. And then third, Jesus says, go, your faith has made you well. And unlike the apostles, and unlike many other people that Jesus heals in the Gospels, what does he do? He follows Jesus. He becomes a disciple, even without Jesus expressly inviting him to do so. He recognizes, I need to follow him. Not seeking honor by going back into the town and look, look what good thing God has done for me. Look how special I am. I've been healed. He goes out into obscurity as a disciple of Jesus. And what he does in this is, in each of those Sundays that preceded, after Jesus is disappointed in the actions of who he's dealing with, he always, he has ended the gospel with a teaching, a reminder of what should be done. And so in the teachings about divorce with the Pharisees, he ends with what we know well of, unless you become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And how much is Bartimaeus acting like a little child when he's screaming out in public, Son of David, have mercy on me. He doesn't care what people think. 
He just wants Jesus. Like a child crying out in public, Mommy, Daddy! He's a child. With the rich man, Jesus says it is easier for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. What does Bartimaeus do? Even the little that he has, he leaves behind to follow Jesus. And then finally with the apostles, the teaching last Sunday was that to be a true disciple of Christ, you must be a slave, a servant of all. How does Bartimaeus address Jesus? Master. He understands who he is before Christ. Bartimaeus embodies everything that Jesus has been trying to teach all of these people. He's a true disciple of Christ and continues to be so, which is why we have his name in Scripture. I came across a quote this week from G.K. Chesterton. He says, Just going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in your garage makes you a car. What's he getting at? Christian is a name, but it's intended to be a way of life. As Christians, we're called to be disciples of Christ. But what does it mean? What does it take to be a true disciple of Christ? Because the Pharisees were believers in God, but they wouldn't follow Jesus. The rich man was a virtuous man, but wouldn't follow Jesus. The apostles are following Jesus but not really following Jesus. Bartimaeus is the one who truly becomes a disciple. So what does it mean to be a disciple, to be a Christian for us that are here? And obviously, you consider yourself a Christian and a disciple. That's why you come to Mass. What more are we living for and striving for? Maybe the most important thing he ever said as Pope Pope Benedict says this, and he said it right near the beginning of his pontificate. He says, being a Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and decisive direction. Being a Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea about how we live, but it's the encounter with an event, with a person, with Jesus, that gives our life a new horizon, something different to live for, and decisive direction on how we get there. In recent years, maybe in the last decade, there's been some studies, some observations of Christians, of Catholics in particular. And what they've observed in talking with many Catholics about their spiritual life and being disciples of Christ is that there's kind of different progressions that happen among Christians along the way to really becoming a true disciple of Christ. The first one is a need to grow in trust of God. Without trust, that relationship, that encounter can't really happen. From trust, then there's a curiosity, starting to question deeper. What is this thing that is God and this life that is Christian? And then from that curiosity grows an openness, a real yearning to understand the deeper things of life and of God. 
And from there, then there's seeking. Now it's not just an openness to ask the questions openly in public, but now I am actively searching for the answers because I will not be satisfied until I have the answer. And then after that comes true discipleship. In their studies, in their observations, you know what they found? Somewhere around 95% of baptized Catholics are in the trust phase or even earlier. Pre-trust, they call it. We're struggling to live the Christian life. We're struggling to be true disciples, which is not surprising. But this is what we're being called to and drawn into as Christians. This encounter with an event with a person to give our life a new horizon and decisive direction. Kind of transitioning through those different phases, here's what they point out is needed. This is what people have needed to kind of shift from one phase to the next. So in order to move from being trusting of God to that curiosity of God, you need to have experienced God's presence and seen answered prayer in your life. It's absolutely essential to deepen from trust to curiosity. To move from being curious to really being open, you have to be able to openly discuss your spiritual questions in the Christian community. Can you articulate the questions of your soul, of your heart, to others within the Christian community? Or is it something that you keep to yourself? To move from openness to being a seeker of Christ, you need to have heard and wrestled with the gospel on a deep level. What does this really mean for who I am and the meaning and purpose of my life and how I live that out? And then finally, to move from seeking to being a true disciple, you have to have experienced in a community of faith and people generally older than you a real living of the Christian faith in an authentic and a compelling way. We need to have a witness to the faith, someone who makes us believe that it's worth living our life as disciples. And in that, the Pharisees, they lack trust. They're the ones who can't even enter the trust phase with Jesus. They're just trying to trap him. Their questions about God but they're just trying to see if I can trap him and make him tell a lie. We know people like that, probably within our own family. The rich man, he's open. He comes to Jesus and asks, how can I inherit eternal life? But he can't really seek. He can't move from that questioning to living what it takes to actually seek the answer. He can't sell what he possesses so as to follow Christ. And the apostles, they're seeking, they're following Jesus, but they aren't really true disciples, which is why when Jesus faces his suffering, they all scatter except John, and they need to be brought back. Bartimaeus embodies that childlikeness that servitude to Christ. And 
the willingness to let go of what he possesses to become that true disciple. So the question for you, for me, is who is Jesus to me? Right? Is Jesus someone that I feel like I can actually encounter? Is he really an event, a person that I can encounter that will give my life a new horizon and decisive direction? That's the starting of the question. If I feel that that is true, then what does that mean for the way that I think and the way that I speak and the way that I act? Not kind of on the moral acting level, but on who I am as a person. And then if that starts to shape me, then what does that mean in the way that I live my life? Do I desire to be an authentic and true disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ? So that when I call myself Christian, it's not just a, a name, but it's who I am. It's my identity that can't be shaken by any external force, but it's part of my relationship with Jesus that's unshakable. Because Jesus calls Bartimaeus to himself. He calls him. And he asks him, what do you need? And boldly, Bartimaeus says, I want to see again. And then Jesus gives him the grace to go forth and live his life freely. And he freely chooses to follow Christ. So what has God offered you already in your life? What are you maybe a little closed off to what God might be wanting to give you in your life? And what is being a disciple or being a Christian mean to you?